What's up, party people? You know one of the worst things about being a self-employed performer? That's right, it's your tax. If you're sick and tired of collecting all your receipts and guessing your way through your tax rebate, well, I know the people that can remove the stress and make it as simple as five, six, seven, eight. That's right, it's Theat Accounts. They're an accounting company that specialize in working with performers. So they know all the things that we can claim back and it's so simple. You upload your invoices and bank statements to their website and they do all the work for you. It's cheap, it's easy, and once you try it, I guarantee you will not regret it. It has changed my tax life. Just email info at theataccounts.co.uk. That's theat, T-H-E-A-T, accounts. So again, that's info at theataccounts.co.uk. Make sure you tell them you're from the Ins and Outs podcast and you'll get some five-star VIP treatment. You will get treated like a king. Honestly, they've changed my life. They've made it so much easier. They've removed the stress from tax and they can do the same for you. Boom. What's up guys? Recently I've been working with an incredible company called Quiet Media. Quiet Media create beautiful video reels, vocal reels, self-tapes, music videos and many, many more. So if you're looking to capture your idea on a video or via audio, then Quiet Media is for you. Go to quietmedia.co.uk or find them on Instagram at quiet underscore media. That's quietmedia.co.uk or at quiet underscore media. Also, don't forget to tell them that you're from the Ins and Outs podcast to receive that special luxury treatment. I promise you, you will not regret investing in this company to help you capture your imagination or your creativity. That's quietmedia.co.uk. Pow. The Ins and Outs podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs podcast, I speak to my good friend, James Combo Marino. I'm not going to tell you too much about this episode because if I'm in being completely honest, you just need to listen to the whole thing. It was inspiring from beginning to end. One of my favorite conversations I've had on the podcast. This, I think, is a number 129 and it's definitely up there in the top three. So I do recommend that you go and check it out. Uh, please go and follow James on Instagram. It's at James Combo Marino. Go and follow his business, which is at Subconscious Trends. And you will not regret listening to this full episode. I hope you enjoy. Here is the one and only James Combo Marino. My man, James Combo Marino. Kane Silver, man. I haven't seen you in so long. It's so good to see you and hear your voice again. Bro, I haven't seen you in so long, but at the same time, I stalk you on Instagram. So I feel like I see what you're doing. <laughs> you know, the blessings of social media. Absolutely. And it's that's funny that you say that, though, because I've actually personally... It might not look like it, but I've literally, um, I'm in a different phase of my artistry and my figuring out who I am as an artist actually mm-hmm. right now and kind of taking a pause on really going in with my work and my content and sharing my process because I'm trying to understand my process right now. So that's really personal to me. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're on the, 
you were teaching class a lot before lockdown and everything happened, you know, before the fucking world turned upside down, um, before the the next phase of purge happens or some <laughs> shit. Like, um, and then the last thing I saw you really doing was your dance camp in the yes. football place, the soccer place, yeah. sorry, the soccer place. Yes. So which, that's, which that's, I want to talk about, but that's the last real thing I saw you kind of blasting out. Exactly. So that was something I wasn't even able, well, I was going to do, right? I, it's my third one, my third annual uh, camp, and it stands for uh, Creating and Mastering Performance. Mm-hmm. And I developed it because I'm really, I really care about my, where I grew up. You know, when I started dancing, I didn't have anybody to teach me. I learned from watching TV, watching music videos. Um, of course, there were people that danced in my area, but I played soccer. I wasn't a dancer. So I didn't take it serious. And then when I kind of got, you know, when I quit soccer and started dancing um, and I took it serious and I was able to turn it into a career, I really looked at myself and I, I asked myself what kind of impact I wanted to have on the world instead of just myself. And the best way I knew how to do that was just contribute it back to my community directly, because if I know how I felt when I booked my first big job, I know mm-hmm. how I felt when I booked my dream job. And if I could help materialize that in, you know, a 15, 16, 17 year old from back in my own town, I was going to do everything possible to make that happen. So ultimately I developed this program and this year was a challenge, man, for obviously, for, but this was something that I, I still actually haven't even processed what I've done um, in terms of just building everything out, but we, we pulled it off and it was an amazing experience. I was sending videos to my homie, John. Um, shout out John Graham, the goat. I was sending videos of the process of you getting it ready and like sanding down those wood boards, like going and buying them, laying the floor and inside that place. And I sent it to him and I was like, this is genius. Talk about like, you're not allowed to exercise inside in a dance studio. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna do it outside <laughs> in, exactly. an, in, a, in an undercover like training ground where I'm allowed to still do it. And I was like, yo, that is called making shit happen. Absolutely. And it's funny because that's a shout out to my brother. Uh, my brother, Nick, he really gave me the idea. He, he just thinks anything can happen. And I do too, but sometimes he says some crazy stuff and I just look at him. I'm like, dude, no, that's just like, we're not doing that. And then when push came to shove, I just looked at myself and I said, what am I scared of? Because that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. When people don't do things, usually unless they're really calculated, right? So like not every decision you're going to make is the best decision. But sometimes we stop ourselves. And I had to really step back and say to myself, wait, okay, like COVID's stopping all of this. But in my area, people were still dancing. But the only restriction was we could only have 12 people in the studio at a time. And at my event, sometimes there's 50 to 70 people right now, and I'm trying to grow it. Mm. So I didn't want to do it with 12 people. I looked at myself and said, okay, what do we do? How do we figure this out? And my brother literally said, we can use the soccer facility. We'll build a floor. And when he said build a floor, I like, I exited out right away. I was like, I'm not building a floor. We're just going to go into a dance studio. This is how I always do it. And then I said to myself, I need to take my own advice because I'm always investing into myself when it comes to uh, dance practice, taking class, um, traveling to new places. And then I, I just said, 
well, building a floor is literally an investment in myself and my brand and my product, and we can do it. So we literally uh, set up springboard floors, and then I went to Home Depot and I got plywood. We went through so much trial and error because we didn't want to nail it down because we have a, a couple of B-boys. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to have any nails sticking up. So what we ended up doing is we Velcroed the back of the plywood and measured it out. So it was perfectly lined up with the rest of the springboard floor. And in pieces, just Velcroed it down. It actually worked out better because now it's mobile. We can literally uh. put it anywhere and just rip, take it off. It takes two seconds to unvelcro it. It stays, you know, it's like a puzzle piece pretty much. But instead of just the floor sitting there and it moves, the Velcro keeps it secure in place. And and then we stained it at like 1 a.m. It didn't dry in the morning. We were trying to like uh, put these fans on it to make sure it was ready for the first day. Man, when I tell you it was coming, it was a nail biter. But how long did it take you to prepare getting everything um, ready for that? over 60 hours and how long was the event a weekend right it was about four days so we did four five hour days Jeez. so setup was longer than the dancing yo and then we had to break it down yeah which it, it always is so much quicker than setting it up which is soul destroying yeah. right <laughs> it's like i wish it was this easy putting it together oh for sure it um, still took a lot of work because we only had about three or four people to break it down but it didn't take 60 hours. No. Well, you, you didn't have to figure shit out. <laughs> That's the hardest part because when we would start to do something, we would see the obstacle. And I was like, man, are we going to be able to pull this off? And then we just kept trying things. And then I was like, you know what? This is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. So let's just figure out the best way possible. And then as soon as the day comes, we let it go. If the floor is kind of like messed up a little bit, but still usable. Then we just focus on the dance. But, you know, me, I really love, I consider myself a problem solver. Anything in life that has to do with figuring out a problem, I'm going to try my best to find the best solution and then work with it however it turns out. And you're a perfectionist as well. Uh, yeah, that kind of. Like, and I blood, know that, you know, like. A curse, yes. Bro, your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses, my friend. Like, mm. they go hand in hand. Um, doing the event after all the stress and obviously the situation we're in, did you feel that there was like a, a deeper gratitude from the dancers than normal? Cause you've gone through that. You've done the extra mile to make this happen, you know? Yes. And I think absolutely, especially at first, it was a very interesting situation because um, this camp, I wanted to go above and beyond as well. So I did a music video with a local artist to give the dancers experience as well. And I also had a showcase, which I've never done before, which I thought was going to be really easy to do. I was like, how hard can it be? You just show up, play music and someone else's dance. Someone else dances. I don't have to dance. The showcase was one of the hardest parts. And so I left it to the, the to the last day and I had to collect the music, make sure the music was clean, make sure it was cut, make sure the costume changes were in order. And so for me, all the training, because I teach every class too. I do two classes uh, a day of choreography. Mm-hmm. But this year, I also want to implement foundation into my uh, program. So what I did is in the local community, we have incredible talent, incredible, incredible talent. And so I found a light feet teacher. I found a breaking teacher. I found a Vogue teacher and I found a gymnastics tricking teacher. And what I did was I had little setups. So 
during the course of the day, we would break off into small groups and each group had the chance to train in a foundational style for 30, uh, for 45 minutes, I believe. And when that was happening, it was all so new. So I was just making sure that was run smoothly. But what I, what I learned from this was they did have gratitude when it came to the setup, but because I threw too much in at once, I felt much more disconnected from the students than I usually would be. And so that's something that I actually learned from the process Mm. in terms of, um, and I've known this and I'm usually really good about this, but I cared more about the event than, and not, not about the event, but like I put more effort into the event than the individual students' minds, which I'm really good at. And I felt the disconnect this time. And so now I know going on in the future, um, I just learned so much even myself from doing it this way mm. because you can all have all the bells and whistles and the flooring and all this and the sound system. But at the end of the day, what I really learned was it's just about the experience and you caring about the process. Mm. So while all that extra stuff was good that I made it happen, it hurt. It, I don't want to say it hurt me, but it, it led me away from what I'm naturally good at and why people come to take my class. Um, so I did feel that a little bit. And I, uh, what I did after is I also called a lot of people that came to the camp and I got feedback from it, strength and weaknesses. What did I do good? What did I do uh, that I could improve on? And so now having that information going forward, um, I'm just excited for the future because everything that I do, I just know I can always make better, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, that doesn't matter to me. It's how can I do it better next time? Yeah, it's a it's a big eye opener to the fact that bigger isn't always better. You know, yeah. like we, we we emphasize, and especially in the states, like American folks don't get mad, but you'll have this thing where like more and bigger is better. Like that is like the philosophy of the states. Like, why have a two ounce cup when you can have a six ounce cup? Like, <laughs> you know, why have a six ounce cup when you can have a twenty ounce cup? Yeah, yeah that's, I'm, that's the American model, right? Like. <laughs> They, everything is like double everywhere else yeah um, but that's actually dope so i guess i guess it missed the intimacy yeah and 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 i understood that because i've been trying to um i've been meditating for a lot and i sustained a i mean i've been injured my entire career you don't know this nobody knows this but i sustained a really bad back injury when i was 16 years old playing soccer and um, i think i actually know this that's why you're the yeah. pull up. That's why you're the pull up god now. I finally started talking about this a little bit, but I've danced my entire career with a grinding back injury. Where if I did any circular motion with my spine, it literally just felt like just little grinding bone on bone. And uh, when I was in sports, I never thought that I could heal it. My coach was like, "Hey, uh, can you run?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can still run." He's like, "Good, you're playing." And I never took healing serious. You know, everybody has injuries, I thought. Everyone does this. But this injury that I sustained with my hip has taught me the most about my body. And so I've been heavily getting into meditation and just careful, careful understanding of the smallest details. Mm. So through this whole process, everything is just an eye-opener in terms of clarity. When you experience all these different things, these gratitudes, these actions where you're learning. And all it is to me is just learning. You know, you might try something that sounds so great and it might not work. And what I've really learned is focus on what works and then just always try to make that better. Mm. 
Yeah, that's dope. Um, so I want to I want to dive into your I guess your introduction to dance because, like you said, you came from somewhere where dance was kind of non-existent, and yeah. I know, and as you've just kind of told that, like you were a pretty established, in air quotes for my listeners, soccer player. Like, yeah, you know, that was going to be the career path. So obviously you were playing soccer growing up. How did dance come along and what was the transition? So, yeah, when I was two years old, I knew I was going to be a professional soccer player. I just knew I had a ball just as much as I dance now. I played soccer the same amount. I used to wake up before school, you know, and practice. I used to bring a ball to school and practice. It was everything that I did. Um, my mom and my sister danced uh, in a studio, local studio, uh, just for fun. And I would go and I would be around music. And what I really learned is I just love music. So what happened when I got introduced to music, probably I really got heavy in middle school. I would how always old, have- How old's that middle school? Uh, like 12, mm-hmm. 11, 12, 13. Um, I know, right? It's different in the UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, knew like the, I knew the answer. I was doing it for everyone else. For sure, Yeah. <laughs> So what I would do, and I never really, really realized till I was older, I used to play on the field. I would, I would go practice by myself for hours, but I wouldn't do it in silence. I would always have my CD player with me, and I would just put it in my pocket. And I was always listening to music while I was playing. I loved music so much, but I didn't dance to it. I just loved it. I listened to everything from Eminem to Corn to Lip Biscuit to NSYNC. My, my music taste was all over the place. And in high school, um, there was something called show choir, uh, jazz appella, shout out to East Hartford High School. Pitch um, perfect. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> so when I started getting into singing, I was like, well, I can't sing, but I started to learn how to beatbox. And when I beatbox, I was like, wow, I can be part of this thing that kind of gives me a little bit of escape from soccer because I was so obsessed with it. I wanted something else, but I didn't want to hang out. I hate, even to this day, I hate wasted time. So I'm not a person that, like, even when I watch TV, I do not sit in the couch really too much unless I'm, I have company over. I'm, I'm stretching. I'm mm-hmm. literally doing something active for my improvement um, at all times. And I'm absolutely borderline obsessed with it. And I've always been like that, but it's just getting stronger and stronger as I'm getting older, which I find is very unique because usually it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm very thankful for. But through the process of of show choir, um, it kind of planted a seed that wouldn't start to grow till later. So I, I played soccer in Europe when I was 17. After I went to uh, graduate high school, I moved to Perugia, Italy, and I played with the B team there. And I had some visa issues, came back to the States, went to a D1 school, played a little bit. And long story short, um, I it just wasn't the right fit at the university. And I ended up getting kicked off the team because I made a bad decision. And I spazzed at the coach and I was frustrated. And yeah, it was really raw. It was really, really something that it was funny. Cause I didn't quit soccer. Uh, ultimately I did, but it was, it was taken from me. Mm. Circumstances made me feel like it was taken from me. I was working so hard. I just made a very bad decision because I was not thinking about the big picture and I didn't understand, you know, university choice could make or break your career. Yeah, um, which is in the States, it's like your university or your college uh, education and how you spend your time there determines whether you go pro, right? 
Yeah, it can. It's very right in, in the US, it's still really like that. Yeah, you can be a 16 year old phenom, but it's a dime a dozen. You know, it's maybe like once every couple of years. Mm. Um, the college and the university is kind of like the training ground, which is why we are so far behind Europe, but that's another conversation. Mm. Um, but when it came to that, what happened when I was kicked off the team? I went through depression and I literally didn't leave my dorm room unless I went to class or to eat for the entire semester. I didn't go out once. I didn't do anything except study, um, which was great. I got a 4.2 GPA at my college, which is, you know, above, usually 4.0 is the highest. I was mm -hmm. literally A pluses because that's all I did. But then at the same time, I needed some escape. And again, I just got connected to music again and I would just dance in my room. And I was just like looking at music videos and being like, wow, I'm, I want to learn this choreography again. And I would teach myself and it helped me because I would just now walk to class. And now I was dancing to class rather than walking to class. And at my university it was very strange because um, I grew up in a very diverse place. And that's why I think I like so many different types of music. We had Jamaican people. We had Dominican. We had Spanish, Latino, Italian, Asian. Every, so I was always influenced by so many different things. And then when I went to college, I went to a pretty much an all white school. So, you the know, complete it, opposite to what you've experienced, complete opposite. And it was still great. There were so many great things I took from it. The, the education was bar none. I went to Fairfield University and it was a great place. But, you know, a white boy dancing down the the the, the um, quad. To, you were, to you were Billy Elliot, bro. <laughs> it, it, literally, I was just like, people were like, what? are you doing? But when I was doing that one day, I was uh, literally freestyling in front of the mirror. And I'll never forget this girl named Erin came up to me and she was like, you dance. And I was like, no, she was like, I just saw you. And I was like, you know, because it was personal to me, I, I didn't want anyone to know. And even when I was dancing, I didn't really understand I was dancing in public. I was just getting moved by the music that I was listening to. It was just happening. And she handed me a flyer and she said, Hey, we're having dance team auditions on Sunday. And I grabbed the flyer and I was like, thank you. I'm probably not going to go, but I appreciate it. And then I sat in my room and I had the flyer at my desk. And I was like, you know what? I need something to do because I just lay in bed all day because I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. I went to the audition, made it. And that's where I learned about, you know, formations and, and learning choreography from somebody else more than just show choir stuff, which is a little more simple and basic. Um, and really like, it, it changed everything in terms of how I looked at things. I bet. How did you know you were depressed? So like, I don't. then, then that's just going to say like, then like mental health and thing, it wasn't like as diagnosable as yeah, it is. No. Now. And I'm still very, I think depression, anxiety is very real. Um, I also think we overdiagnose because we spend a lot of times trying to figure out what's wrong versus why it's wrong. Mm. And this is something I delve in. And that's why I started my company. I have a, a company called subconscious trends and it's all about working on the mindset mm -hmm. because I found that when you have a bulletproof mindset, um, emotions are going to go up. We're human. We're going to have times when we're angry. We're going to have times when we're sad. We're going to have times when we're so happy. This is so normal. And I think it's so healthy, but I, I think that when people don't realize why, that's when they start getting into the place where this is just how I am. And I think that's a very interesting and dangerous place to be. And so I was just depressed because this was my situation, right? 
I did something every day for six to eight hours and, and not even talking about studying tape. I used to watch soccer games like nobody's business. I would study, you know, my coach in high school was the one that taught me how to study tape. He'd be like, hey, watch the game and don't watch the game. Watch the individual player and study with a movement, study why he makes his certain decisions. He's like, if you want to be pro, you have to learn from the pros because that's where you're going. And Smart. that really... Yeah, and that's please dancers transition that to this. <laughs> like, literally, that's what I did with dance. And that's why I think I, I was able to study and, and learn so fast because I said, listen, life is the same. No matter what topic, the process is literally the same. It doesn't matter whether you're playing soccer, dancing, you want to be a physicist. It's all about studying your craft and what you're you're what you're interested in. So pretty much I I it was swiped from me 12 hours a day of the same thing. And now guess what? You can't do it anymore. That's enough to push somebody over the edge. And mm. I was so lost because I would wake up and I would usually have, you know, practice at 8am. Cool. Now I wake up at seven 30 and I go, Oh, I don't have anything to do. You've got no purpose. I had no purpose, literally no purpose. And it was pure frustration it was the point where I would just look around and, and just look out the window and be like, okay, I need to go to class because I don't want to let my parents down because they're helping me with this education, which I value so much. And I'm very thankful for anything that anyone ever gives me. You know, if I commit to something, I'm going to, you know, pull through to, to standards higher than even you think. I have the higher standards of myself. But when I didn't have what I did in, in my life dream anymore, Oh my, I was literally just like sitting in an empty black room and just being like, is this going to be my life forever now? I was stuck there for a little while. Mm. So thankfully dance helped pull me out of that and let me express my frustration and my anger. And I didn't even know that's what it was at first. Someone taught me that later. They were like, you know what you were doing was just expressing what you were thinking inside. And I was like, wow, I never thought about it. I just did it. Yeah. So after uni, obviously, you've already kind of found the passion of dance via music. How do then you go to being you, you know, like, well, yeah, because um, that's a huge, like, say what your uni, so you're 1920. Yep. Like 19 was when I when my life changed. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And that's quite late. Oh, yeah. You know, especially for in the States. Because everyone there started like fucking eight doing competition yeah. circuit. I didn't know anything about that, right? Exactly. So this was my mindset. So I was going to school for accounting and finance, which I also have my degree in now. Um, I finished my university studies as well. But You're during that, <laughs> you are such a gangster. <laughs> yeah. For me, I just think that we have one time to do this, man. We have one life, and so. I just want to be as valuable to not just myself, but the people that I'm around mm. as much as possible. Because I think about it like this. I think role models are super important and they shape young people's minds so much, even if the young people don't understand how or why. Mm -hmm. And I realized that in order to really create a life that you are proud of, it's up to you right? It's up to no one else. It's up to you. And so everything that I'm going to do, I'm going to be the best that I can be at it because it's not just for me, it's for other people. Mm. So um, 
get back to, to the switchover, right? I was 19, no purpose, in a black box dorm room, dancing a class. And I was studying accounting and I was in class and I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought I saw the importance. But then I sat down and I just started thinking about, James, do you want to sit at a desk for 40 to 60 hours a week? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just had to resonate with myself in terms of, is that what I thought I was capable of? Mm. Going from playing for, I wanted to play for Juventus, you know, in, in Serie A in Italy. So, solid choice, solid choice. Yeah. So from Juve to a desk, I said, that's a very big change. And I couldn't accept it. I was like, you know what? I, I'm not doing this. I like dance. I don't know what this is yet, but I'm going to go for it. And this caused pure chaos and turmoil in my life. My dad, which me and my dad are super close now, uh, he didn't speak to me for two years when I made that decision. Um, literally. Uh, and it wasn't like, a, I, I hate you. It, I understand what it was now. It was, I don't want you to be poor. <laughs> yeah. I want good and um he was just frustrated because he didn't understand what i was doing and to be honest neither did i yeah yeah i was so, gonna say and why would he <laughs> like absolutely and he had every right to protect me and try to understand james you're going from million dollar contract possibilities to being a starving artist and that's a very real reality yeah and i i don't know there was just something inside me that just said figure it out so my aunt, the one that owned the dance studio, she, um, she said to me, hey, if you want to learn how to dance, she's like, you need to go to New York. And I said, okay, that's the only thing I needed to know. And I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I would catch the 6 a.m. bus from Hartford, Connecticut, which is a three-hour ride one way to New York City. And I would train all day at Broadway Dance Center, meet people, freestyle in the hallways, take class. I didn't always have money for class, so I used to sit out and just watch class sometimes and study the teaching, study the window. And just over time from me going every day, um, teachers would let me guess. They would be like, why are you watching? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not from here. I only have, you know, $40 today, so I can only afford two classes. And so that's how I kind of like, I would take their class a couple times and then I would just sit in the window and study and that work ethic, I think you can see. Like when I teach now, I look for that in people. Mm. I look for the hunger. I don't look for talent. Talent can be developed. Talent is amazing, but hunger to me is what I resonate with because I didn't have talent when I started. I just had a, I want to do this, teach me how to do it, and I'm going to do everything to do it. Mm. So yeah, man, I was commuting six hours a day to go to New York City, three hours one way, three hours another way. At the same time to make money, I was teaching at a dance studio, which to be honest, looking back at it, I had no business teaching at a dance studio. I was just one of the only males in the area that was passionate about dance. That yeah. So then there is, a, there is a purpose for you teaching because you're just going to inspire a new breed of dancers. Yeah. And I realized that now, but at the time I was like, why did you hire me? I didn't even dance before this. Like I had no idea how to choreograph. I didn't know how to, I didn't even really know how to count music really. Like it was just, I was learning everything as I was going, but I just wanted to do it so bad. I think they saw that, mm. you know? Um, and because I taught myself choreography from music videos, I did have some structure, but it was just self-taught. So they were like, you know what? It's better than me doing it. So here, James, you teach the classes. Cause they, you know, some of my studio owners, they were teaching 40 classes a week already. All the tap, all the jazz, all mm. the ballet, 
So you're going to take for, some of the slack. That's a win. Exactly. And I'm so thankful for that because, um, you know, Miss Anita Dupre and Miss Julie Lang and everybody from Connecticut that kind of believed in me. They're the ones that are, are half responsible for giving me the outlet to express myself and just figure this thing out. So I was teaching at, a, at two local studios. Um, and again, like I said, finishing my degree all at the same time. So, uh, and I was working another job too. I was a soccer referee because I said, how can I still stay involved with soccer and make some money off of it? So I was like, you know what, let me go referee on the weekends when I have some time and make a few extra dollars. So that way during the week I can go take more class. So I was doing all of this at once and getting literally four hours of sleep. Damn. So then you're, you're, you're traveling to New York, you're commuting all the time. Who or what was the switch where it happened to be like, oh, this is a job now and this isn't the thing that I'm hustling at? To just yeah. Do. Well, yeah. Well, first, let me touch on uh, that. I, I met a lot of great people in, in New York City. Like, I, I love those times so much. And there was a guy, his name was Quabana Edwards. Uh, I believe he's still the, one of the managers at BDC now. Uh, he helped me out a lot because, like I said, commuting six hours a day was super tiring. And I used to do it five days a week. And then one day we were talking and he was like, where are you from? What do you do? And I told him my story and he just literally said, hey, listen, you can stay at my place tonight. You don't need to travel home. And I and at first I didn't accept it. I was like, no, thank you. I appreciate the offer, but this is, you know, it's okay. Because for me, I was so proud. I'm Italian, man. I'm proud. Yeah. You know, our family, we don't take things from people. Um, but then when I realized networking and just generosity, uh, when he did that, you know, I, I really learned a lot from just, for, I just got helping people. And so he gave me the little boost to be a little bit more energetic. And even though, you know, me, my, my dance, hey, you don't, you don't need more energy, bro. Yeah, exactly. But I was able to rest a little more because I was then staying in the city and then mm. I could go straight to class the next day. So what this led to was. It's a choreographer. Her name is Rhapsody James. You know who she is. Yes, of course. Uh, she everyone, was having... A everyone should. Yeah, exactly. Everyone should. Like, this woman changed my life. Um, she was doing an audition for Motivating Excellence. And I didn't know what it was. She didn't even know what it was. It was her first program. She had just started it. But she was taking 20 dancers from the area and training them. And she had the audition. I remember I went and I had my head shot, which was horrible at the time, by the way. Because again, I didn't have any guidance and nothing. It was just like a picture of myself on some glossy paper. <laughs> and I went and I auditioned and we had the interview and I made it. And this is the motivated excellence. This is where like uh, Fifi Burgos, uh, Jared Jenkins, um, who was in our, like the, uh, Michael Ramos, excuse me, a Manny Fernandez, Tia Rivera. There's just so, the, the, the list of people that were in this group looking back at it. This was the catalyst to all of our careers. Yeah. Our Rhapsody James poured her soul into us. And we got spoiled because it's unbelievable. And, and it just shows you of just like where, where just an idea can take you. Because at the time, none of us had money. And she only did this. I think I paid $300 for two months of training. Two months of training. We were doing like five hours a day, I believe. With the show at the end. Jeez. And oh my, I look back at it now and I, I like literally still like 
am super grateful for the experience and how much it was and and, and how much yeah. he didn't make from you <laughs> oh my and i and but the thing is it was such a testament to where she knew she could build herself because now the program is flourishing. She teaches, she's in such great demand and that's her bread and butter, man. Like she knows what she is doing mm. to a T the, the information she, she gave to us and pushed us and brought other people in to teach us. And, but the thing is we also balanced it because the people that were in the room were so hungry. Mm. Oh my God. And we were dancing on like floors where, the wood wasn't finished. So we were getting splinters from knee spins. And like, we just wanted to dance so badly. It was just such, we didn't care where it was. We would have danced outside in the snow. It was just the collection of people that really helped develop the mindset. And like I said, I remember she said, Hey, I'm going to give you the tools. It's still up to you. And it's just, it was just, it set us up for success. If you did the work. And clearly I, I knew about work ethic from soccer. So I just did the work as I continue to do. Mm. Yeah. I was just... so fast forwarding. That was the catalyst. That's what got me into a dance agency. Um, when I, cause that's what pushed me to just take more classes and dance more. I actually got a dance agent through, you know, Hollywood, right? Yes. So Hollywood back when he was in New York city, um, I he, was know doing he was from New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. where I thought he's from. I just think I've never thought of it. But yeah, New York. I remember I was taking his class because then I, I got open, you know, opened up to taking everything. I took everything when I went to, when I told you I went to New York to just dance. I took ballet. I took jazz. I took tap. I was taking ballet and sweatpants because I was like, listen, I'm not wearing tights, but whatever's going on in this class right now, I don't know. So I need to learn. This is part of my world that I'm in now. So I was open minded to everything. So when I started working with more choreographers, Hollywood came up to me after one of his classes. He's like, hey, I'm doing a submission. Um, can you stay for rehearsal and do this and that? And like I said, I was from Connecticut at the time. So I was going back and forth, traveling six hours just to do submissions. And we did this live submission for this artist. Her name was Winter Gordon. She has some really great music, by the way. Um, and it was a live audition for her that we, we did with Hollywood. And at that live audition, that's where I not only booked the job, but I got a dance agency through that experience. Bro. Yeah. And that's when, yeah. So that's when I got signed to block. Oh, so you with block New York first. Yes. Nice. I was actually with block New York for my visa for LA, which I think is against the rules, but I was just told by block LA, go with block New York. Cause less people apply for visas there. So it'll be easier to achieve. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a little smaller. There's a little more, it's different there. No, less people are applying to live there. Everyone's yeah. applying to live in LA. So actually on my visa, I was signed to Block New York, but I worked at Block LA. Interesting. Mm. Man, these are things. Some rules are just there to be rules. And if you're smart enough to outsmart it, it is what it is. Yeah. I think another thing that's really big about life, and this is something I can share with your listeners. We get so caught up in how things need to be sometimes. But if you see who changes the world... It's the people that literally think and spend time finding clarity and sometimes outsmart the written rules that are in the current moment. And I'm not saying break all rules. All I'm saying is understand what they are and then push the limit further. Yeah, that's dope. Well, especially in this climate, geez. Yeah. That's what we need to do to survive right now. Absolutely.
Um, so you got signed with Block. You did that uh, first gig for Winter. Winter Gordon. Winter Gordon. How do you then end up doing the dream jobs like like Missy, Justin, Eve, Ferg, like? Do you know what I mean? Like for me, Mariah, for me, and I hope this is a nice thing to say because it could be taken either way. You're a very underrated dancer. And, and, and I, and I, you know what? I, I know that I, there's one time where I didn't think I was, and I, I believe in myself wholeheartedly. Like you, you can't, tell, but it's, I don't believe in myself that I'm better than other people. I just know how much I dedicate to myself. Um, the reason I think I'm underrated is because of my personal choices. Um, I don't put myself out there because I know I, I'm, I'm very clear. I know what my purpose is. I know why I'm here and I just do it. Whether you're along for the ride or not, that doesn't affect me. Um, and so I'm not bothered by being underrated because I know why I'm underrated because I'm still new to this. As much as I've done all these dance jobs, that's the journey I'm on right now is a lot, like you said, a lot of these people have been doing this since eight years old. They understand dance and then they understand how to be a dance artist. That's something I'm learning right now. So I know as soon as I learn my who I am as James Connell Marino, the artist, that's when I feel I will get, I will not be as underrated and I will get the appreciation that I know I see in myself. But I have to do the work. I have to be able to get to that level because underrated just means that you don't, you're not seen by enough people. It doesn't dictate your talents. Yeah. But how I did that, okay, so this is where it gets even crazier. So the first piece of choreography that I ever taught myself and learned. Of course, was Like I Love You, Justin Timberlake. Of course it was. Of course Ask it was. Mine too, bro. Yeah. That, and so, okay. And so, you know, the, the, the two dancers that were in the well, opening. White straight males, wasn't it? <laughs> it? Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing is, so there was Justin. And then there was Marty, but then there was Eddie Morales. Eddie. Yes, exactly. Eddie. So when I, I only had been to two concerts in my life up to this point. First concert I went to was Backstreet Boys when I was, uh, again, in middle school with a bunch of friends, a bunch of girlfriends. And I'm glad you said you went with girlfriends. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. Just a bunch it, like, of dudes I, rocking up to Backstreet no, Boys. At the time, I got made fun of a lot in high school because like, I remember I was listening to Eminem, so I was with those people, but they would go through my CD collection and they'd be like, bro, why do you have a Backstreet Boy CD? And I would have to, oh, that's, that's you know, that's my, my little sister. Yeah, exactly. And it's like my little sister was really little, so it definitely wasn't hers. But um, I had to navigate that. I had to, I had to navigate the bullying. And um, when I, I went to the Backstreet Boys concert and then I, I, when I was a sophomore in high school, I went to Justin's... Um, justified and i think was it justified or future sex round Love stage sounds. so yeah no you know what i it was the future sex love songs the round stage yes the tour oh my god like uh, the re- greatest tour of all time yeah and i remember how i felt right so i didn't have a lot of money and at the time you know my dad my they weren't supporting anything dance related you know so I went with my friend. His name is Dan Carroll. He's the one who helped me get into the show choir, actually. Um, and I'm, you know, there's a lot of people in my life that I, I can't wait to be able to do a lot of nice things for all the people that helped me help put me on this path. Mm. And I think that's a lot. Uh, and something else that also keeps me grounded is 
appreciating every single small moment that's led up to where I am now. Um, so that's why I'm working so hard to hopefully, not hopefully, to pay these people back in some way in the future. Um, but we went to the concert, and I remember I, I love b-boying and underground stuff that I saw people from my area doing. You know, I was around some b-boys and poppers, and I was like, whoa, that is sick. But it wasn't choreography. And they hated the choreography world. So I was like, why is it so different? It's, it's movement. It's body movement. Like, I like all of it. When I saw Eddie Morales during his freestyle b-boy, um, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, you can combine these? So I found every video I could of him, and I studied. I studied, studied, studied. I wanted to dance just like him. So fast forward, I moved to LA, which my story of moving to LA is a whole nother thing. Like for example, I moved to LA and I lived with 15 people when I first got off the plane. I did, 15 yeah, people. Yeah, I booked, I just booked, I had never been to LA. I'd never visited. I booked a plane ticket with three suitcases. I landed in LAX. I knew I had to get to the Valley. So I took a bus to, to Van Nuys. And then I literally, and this is back before Uber. This is, I didn't have anything. I literally said, okay, I need to find a place to live now. I didn't have a place secure before I moved out there. I literally went on Craigslist and I looked up a place and I said, okay, I just got to you know, call these people up and see if they have a spot. And I literally you know, went to the spot and there was 15 people in, in my house, in my room. There was three bunk beds. My bunk mate was 57 years old. Like yeah. I went, I went through the trenches, man. Like, but I learned this when I was training with dance too. Cause when I used to go to monsters, I got scholarships, but I didn't have money for the hotel. And I just had money for the plane. I used to go to monsters and sleep on park benches to take class, bro. I remember in Kansas city, it was snowing one night and I literally slept outside because I, and I wasn't good at networking back then. I was just very to myself. So I didn't want to ask anyone to stay with them. I just did it myself. But um, Jeez, bro. yeah, fast forward. So I, I moved to LA and after a couple months, and I, like I said, I took it very serious. I was taking six classes a day, seven days a week, no days off. Sunday was three classes because it was a shorter day on the schedule. Mm -hmm. But every other day, literally, I would live at the studio. I would Which live. I, it was Debbie Reynolds at the time. I would go because it was, they had the unlimited card. I was going to say, yeah, it was the cheapest card at the time, right? Exactly. Right. I, I still took some people at Millennium, like when Marty taught and some other teachers. But for the most part, I was just like, I need to learn everything that I can from all the teachers that I can. So I just lived the studio. And after about three to four months, and it's like four to five months, I got a call from my friend Frankie Gordils. And he is somebody who was in Motivating Excellence with me. Amazing, amazing dance artist. He called me and he said, hey, are you, are you in New York? I was like, no, I'm in LA. He's like, hey, Come back to New York. We, had, we have a gig for you. He didn't tell me what it was, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to fly back to New York. As I'm booking my flight, he's like, so, hey, um, don't say anything. Don't get excited. But this job is for Mariah Carey. Bro, my mom is Mariah Carey was one of my mom's favorite. You know, she's I learned it from Mariah from my mom and my mouth just dropped. And I was like, Mariah Carey. No way. Like there's I'm not ready for this. Like I'm just training right now. I, I didn't think I was ready at all, but then I, I was excited. I was like, you know what? This is my moment. I can prove myself. So I fly to New York. I literally get off. The, I took a red eye, fly to New York, get off the, the plane, take uh, the subway to, uh, I forget where the, I think it was SIR Studios in New York. 
And I get there with my suitcase. I called up one of my friends from high school who lives in New York. And I said, hey, listen, I'm going to be here this week. Can I please stay with you? So he said, yes. So I was going to bring my stuff to him, but I didn't have enough time. So I went straight to rehearsal. Get to rehearsal. We do a fitting. I'm the first one there. I, I'm there so early. I'm there like two hours before the day is supposed to start. So I'm meeting the production assistant, um, a few people. Then the dancers start trickling in. All of a sudden, I'm sitting on the couch. Guess who walks in the door? Eddie. Eddie Morales. And so I look up, but you got to be cool, man. You know, like you can't just walk. Especially with Eddie. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just felt he walked in looking so cool, had the dopest outfit on at like 9 a.m. And I was like, whoa. Okay, I'm I, here right I'm sure it wasn't, but in my head, I just picturing him like in a wife beater vest with like some jeans on and then like a, we- and a waist have- and a waistcoat. I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't even remember what he was wearing. I just remember it was dope. And yeah. at the time, I was poor, bro. Like, I was so poor. I didn't have any cool clothes. I was probably wearing a T-shirt and some sweatpants just there to dance. So I remember that the two, the two new guys on the job were me and uh, Denzel Chisholm which is one of my great friends. Yeah. Oh my God. I love, I still train with him to this day. He's one of, I, I'm always heavily inspired by him. Just a great person, an amazing dancer. So um, we're in there and then we start working on the first routine and we're learning the routine. And in my head, I'm like, this is happening. This is happening, but you got to kill it, James. And the job was for an NFL kickoff. So it was my first televised job too. So it was opening performance for the, season which you know how football is in america bro it's Uh, it's the bible like it's exactly you know it's like soccer well what england calls football to the rest of the world but just in america so i remember man that whole week i was training uh, rehearsing and then i would leave i would go home and see my friend matt tracy i would stay at his place he was staying with his girlfriend at the time and i was just in his apartment in his kitchen practicing everything until like 2 3 a.m and then I would sleep from like three to seven and then get on the subway and then go back to rehearsal. Just doing this nightly. On the fourth day, I remember I was rehearsing in the corner and Eddie was sitting on the couch and he just yells to me, hey, yo, yo, come over here. And so I just walk over, you know, I'm like, all right, sit down. Now, mind you, on this job was Brian Tanaka, Punch, uh, Miguel Robinson, uh, me and Denzel. So you, you have heavy hitters and I knew what I was in, but I, at the same time, like I had to play it cool. So I sit down, he starts talking to me, asking me where I'm from. He's like, I thought you were from New York. Apparently they only wanted to hire New York people on this, but I had been so heavy in the New York scene that I'd consider myself a New Yorker, but I'm Connecticut. I will rep Connecticut till the day I die. That's where I'm from. You're never going to tell me I'm from anywhere else because I want to prove my story that you don't have to come from a big city to mm-hmm make your dreams a reality. So he's talking to me and then he said, Hey, what are you doing next month? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, this is the only thing I'm thinking about is this present moment right now. And he's like, yo, you remind me of myself. And when he said that I bugged out because I was like, and I, I, I finally opened up. I said, yeah, you know why, bro? I studied you. You're why I'm here. And literally during the performance, when we started doing formations, now was his opposite. Yeah. I remember Brian Tanaka came up to me. He goes, James, I don't think you know what's happening right now. But the fact that you're Eddie Morales' opposite and he's taking you under his wing, he's like, pay attention. 
And that's all Ryan needed to say. And it literally just got me in the zone. And then uh, that, that, that moment is when he said, Hey, next month we're going to China, uh, actually Macau. And he's like, I want you to come with us. And I was like, it's happening. This is it. You know? So that moment, that's what changed my life forever. That wow. snowball effect from, you know, it led from that job and everything was Mariah. So we were doing everything. And then Mariah did a tour. That's when I got to tour the world with her. I, you know, I've been to 40 countries and, and everything that I've seen, I dedicate to all the people that have been able to help me along the way. But that moment especially was like the, the you on the map. You put you he, on the map big time. Exactly. That was the click, man. Like Eddie, he, you know, Rhapsody then transferred over to Eddie Morales. And then, and it was up to me, you know, it was up to me to prove it. And that's something that he said to me, which was so dope because he put me on, but he said, the only reason he put me on is that cause you earned it. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. That's some inspiring shizzle. Yeah. So then when you went back to LA, how long did you live with 16 folk? Cause that tour money, you must've got you. No, Actually, uh, so I lived with 15 people for about two and a half months before I found a roommate that I switched out with. So within my first three months in L.A., I was already uh, living. But my house, OK, because of how I uh, I learned, you know, gratefulness and, and hospitality in New York from Quabana and just being a commuter. I personally my home was like an open hospital people. I have moved over 30 people to L.A. through my house. Anybody that was from Connecticut or New York that needed a place to stay, anybody who hit me up, they, uh, my answer was always yes. There was very few times when I would say no. And I have moved so many people in, in and out of my apartment. And me and my roommate, I still live with actually, his name is Will B. Bell. Genius. Another yes. genius. Yes. I'm made, like one of my best friends. And he just, I'm always inspired by him. And we just kind of had this appreciative mindset. So we, we help as many people as we can, because we know how many, how much other people have helped us. Mm. Bro. That's so, that's crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's, like no, it, it's crazy. Cause I don't get to share this story too much. And because it's also so dense, there's so much, you know, it's not like I just went to dance class and then I went through an audition and then booked something. And it happened. It, it, yeah. It's just one of those things where I look back and I'm like, I'm crazy. And yeah, like I know I'm, but You're, that's why where I'm at. You are crazy, but crazy people have crazy outcomes. You know, like your story is crazy and it, it's a representation of you, but as in a nice way. Yeah. You know? and, and you know what's funny is I, and I, I think I subconsciously, which is funny because my company is called Subconscious Trends because yes. it's, all, it's all about programming your subconscious mind. So, the habits that I developed when I was in middle school, high school, and probably even before, but I remember saying to myself, James, just make your life a good story. Mm. And that's why I never shied away from anything being hard or challenging because when I would watch interviews with, and it wasn't even my favorite athlete. Sometimes I remember I saw an uh, interview with a football player for the green Bay Packers. His name was Brett Favre. I was a, a, a Miami Dolphins fan, my Dan Marino, because of my last name, played for Miami Dolphins. So I was obsessed with that team. I still am. They're, they are my team. They are finally doing well this year. So I'm excited about that. But I don't really like football, but I was told when I moved to LA by Tony Bellissimo, I have to support Bills. And if I would, he would give me a Bills t-shirt and a Bills hat on the spot. So I support Bills. 
That's so funny. Yeah, so the Bills and the Dolphins are in the same conference, so me and Tony actually talk about that sometimes because that's the competitive nature. But I, I love that. It, it is. It's really a, it's a different mentality. But for me, I don't care what the sport is. I don't care what they're doing. Again, it's the story. Mm. So if I'm listening to Brett Favre give an interview about how he was skipping proms, throwing footballs with his dad, and I, I just said to myself, that's why he's where he's at. Not that you have to do that to get there. But I do think there's a correlation, and, and science knows this, the more time you spend doing the things that you want to do, the better you're going to be. And also, the more time you spend delaying gratification and just putting the hard work in, the better it will be in the future if you stay consistent with it. And so I knew that, and I watched all of these people say it. I listened to interviews for days, and I just said, yeah, I have to do this. So I have no option. That was my mindset. That's friggin' dope. So then you're in LA. You've you've told the world already with Mariah. Like what what's what's the journey? Like how did Missy come along? How, like because to me that's the one where I'm like, not that that's the the job because like obviously Justin is the job. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we both know that. But Missy's a dope one because I guess I don't know. It, to me, that's like my youth. Yeah, for you know? sure. We all watched the music videos. We all saw her change all, the game. We first. all wanted to be in Get Your Freak On. Like, yeah. What, like, you know what I'm saying? So, again, life is all about planting seeds and genuinely planting seeds. Because um, if you put the right work in for the right reasons, people will see you when you're ready. You think you're always ready sometimes. And sometimes other people that have been in this game for 10, 15, 20 years, they know you're not ready yet. But they know if you put the time in, you will be. So I did this job for this, this guy, Dante Corday, And it was an Adidas fashion show. He just saw me dancing in actually Chuck Maldonado's class at Debbie Reynolds. He pulled me aside after. He's like, yo, where are you from? Tell me your name. He got my information. He's like, hey, we're doing this job. I would love to have you dance with us. So I was like, yeah, I was taking everything at the time that I could get my hands on. If it was dance, I was there. So we did a performance. Uh, it was cool, networked, and it was a different style for me, and I loved it. It was so much funkier than stuff I was used to, just so much full-body movement. And me coming from an athletic background, I loved that. I was like, oh, we get to move like this? This is cool. So fast forward a number of years, right? I've done, I've done a couple of jobs. I've done Mariah. I've toured. I've done – I forget what else in the, in the timeline – and Dante calls me. He's like, hey, Missy's having an audition. I was like, really? He's like, yes, go. So something came up and I booked another job. I couldn't go to the audition. So he called me. He's like, hey, can you do a private audition? And I was like, yeah, of course. He called me and Eddie in. He's like, I think I just want to make you guys opposites. So, so was we, he choreographing it? He was Dante? choreographing it, yeah. So literally he called me Eddie and, and Eddie had already known him. He's, you know, Eddie's work with, he was in those videos. Eddie knows everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's Eddie Morales. So, yeah. So we get in there and we learn the routine and me and Eddie just dance. He literally sends it to her and, you know, the next day he's like, all right, cool. We got rehearsal this time. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, it just started snowballing, but it's just because I just kept going, right? Even, even for example, when I got back from tour, it was crazy because um, 
a month after tour, when I got back, I went through another spell where I was depressed. Because when that stuff ends, when you're on the top of the world, when you're doing things that you're just experiencing, it's all novel every day, new city, new food, new experiences, that we're doing stadium shows, like you can't get any better than that, you know? Mm. And when I came back, I remember I couldn't book anything for like two to three months because my mind wasn't right. I was depressed. I was searching for what was. Trying to catch that high again. Yeah. And I wasn't like, hey, James, you need to go back to the basics. You got to go back to what got you there. Mm. And so after that little dry spell, I was like, you know what? I need to get back to class. I need to get back to training. I need to get back to freestyling. I need to get back to sessioning. I need to get back to the gym. Everything. Started doing it again. And then everything started moving like it should. But it's because I took the initiative to put the work in again. And so when I, I booked Missy, it was crazy because I, you know, I was the only white boy in the place. And at the time, I was still – now, mind you, you lived in L.A. I didn't have a car still. I which, lived in L.A. Which how people do is crazy. Yes, I had a bike in my feet for three years with no Uber. Yeah, well, Uber changed the world for LA, but without that, it's a shit show. Absolutely. So I remember I used to wait on the dude. Sometimes I would make, wait an hour for the bus. I, if I had a rehearsal, I would have to leave two hours early in case the bus didn't come. And so I had to plan things way differently. And it kind of, you know, I'm thankful for it now, but I would never go back because it's so much wasted time. But at that Missy rehearsal, when I saw everything that was going on, I was like, James. And because I, the reason I have a car is not because I have the money. Clearly, I went on tour. Mm. I studied accounting and finance, right? So I knew things to do with my money that I didn't really need at the moment. I said, if everything's working, I don't need a car. I can still do that and use my money to invest in other places that will give me better returns in the long run. So, but during Missy, I literally said to myself, James, you can't do this anymore. So literally during that week, I bought a new, I bought my first car out here. But like that catalyst of being around people that just like push the issue is kind of inspiring because it inspires other avenues of your life that you don't think it's going to inspire. And that's really what I learned from doing these other jobs is, yes, of course, dancing for Missy Elliott for the dance was important and it was the experience was incredible, but it was everything that it contributed to everything else in my life. The little light switches that went on that, you know, you're so focused on dance that you're not paying attention to myself as a person. And life and, outside of that studio. Yeah. And so that was actually the biggest thing I took away from Missy. Of course, the dancing was, you know, bar none amazing. It was the hardest show I've ever done in my life. Yeah, it's that, physical, boy. Like, that's the, the choreo that they do. Like, it's next. Absolutely. Like next level. So, yeah, that show, I remember, I was like, whoa, this is like one hour straight. The only time you have off, you have constant costume changes. So there was no break. When you started, you were going to the last number. I remember when I did Bieber and Troy Kirby choreographed it. And he showed us, uh, I think it's Get Your Freak On. Troy. So yeah. Troy and Dante. Yes. So Troy and Dante, they were the ones together. So Troy wasn't on this at the time. But yes, they were the ones that worked with Missy and did all that. So I never got to meet Troy, really. So um, I did Bieber for Troy. And he showed us in rehearsals, Get Your Freak On. Because everyone was like going, show us, show us. He showed us that and caught up. And I remember looking at Get Your Freak On and being like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, you know oh, like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> But the thing is, you got to realize I came from a soccer background. So me, like 
dance wasn't, it was like dance is the hardest thing in the world for sure, even to this day. But to me, I'm used to running, you know, 10 miles a game. So that was not a hard transition for me. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Okay. And then talk, talk of that. Tell me that moment of Justin, because obviously that's got, that's got to resonate differently. Cause if that's the first thing you've ever, I guess, taught yourself or tried to learn or be inspired by that moment alone is like, I remember Marty Kadelka saying to me once, you're getting really good. Don't let it go to your head. And all I heard was you're getting really good. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And I was just like, that's Justin Timberlake's choreographer. Like he's just yeah. giving me a compliment. And like my world changed. Like yeah. in those like five seconds, you know? Yeah, you know what's so like, funny and older I, I so I've I've understood the process and I've really divulged and I'm I'm very thankful for Marty for so many reasons. And I've only worked for him two times, right? But what he taught me in my dance career and journey is probably some of the most non-direct education I have ever received. And I don't know if he does this on purpose because he's a very intelligent person. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows why he's doing it. And he's very well thought out. But I remember I was taking Marty back when Monsters was happening. And I remember people were coming up to me being like, yo, you are smashing. But this dude would never call me out. And I would sit there and I'm like, yo, what do I got to do? What do I have to do? Not knowing how many people he's, he's dancing with, the caliber of how talented they are. I just want to be a part of it. But even when I moved to LA then, right, I was taking his class religiously every Monday, Wednesday, all the time. And just, I was not being able to make the final group. And I was like, what is yeah, going on? I always used to be in the groups before the final group. Yeah, which is cool. Which but is was, dope, but it was never like the goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's never the goal and it never should be, right? Because I feel like that's setting your standards super low and that messes with your work ethic. But what Marty really showed me, and he, he spoke to me one time about it. And I really think that he knows when people are talented, right? He knows. But he also realizes the game, the long-term process of a career versus a singular job where you're just trying to get something. And the thing is, when you establish yourself with the idea that you're doing this for the right reason, which is the dance, not just the job, you're going to work hard for the right reason because you're focused on the talent. And so Marty literally indirectly taught me to keep going because I didn't make that final group. And I had to train all the time to make that final group. Mm. And so I remember, and this is where the universe just works, how it works, man. And you just got to let it go sometimes. He hit me up and he said, hey, James, I know you play soccer or used to. He goes, I have a Target commercial and they want a soccer scene. He's like, do you want to work on me and help choreograph it for that and help, um, you know, help with the skills for the kids? And I was like, say no more. This is what I do, bro. I miss playing soccer so badly. So we went in there and, you know, Marty loves sports. He loves basketball and, other, and golf and other sports. So that connection was there. He just didn't know much about soccer. So I go in there and I'm showing him some tricks and we get the kids to do things. And I'm like, I think this would be cool. And we would play around some things. And the process with him was so enjoyable because he just trusted that I knew what I was doing. We worked together. We went to set. We get on set one day and him and his assistant, AJ Harpold, amazing person, we're sitting down just talking and they said something and it kind of went over my head. 
they were talking about a job and they're like, Hey, what are you doing next week? And I was like, you know, like the same thing, just training and, you know, looking for the next gig and all of this. And they the, didn't say the, at the LA hustle. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I'm just going to work when it comes, but if not, I got to keep pushing myself. So I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't thinking like, you know, it's Justin. I wasn't thinking anything of it. You know, we're working on a Target commercial. It has nothing to do with, with Justin. I mean, Marty does way more than just Justin, you know, and that's what people forget sometimes. This man has done so much stuff, but I think it's just the connection that he's just as part for because how many lives it changed. Mm-hmm. So literally the next, I remember, I'll never forget. I'm in my apartment right now. I'm looking at the spot of where I saw the email. Uh, AJ emailed me and they sent me the dates of this job and they were said, we can't say much about it, but these dates, I was like, oh yes, I'm available. I can do it. And they replied back. And I remember I sat, I was sitting right here. And at the bottom line, it said, we think you'll look good in a suit and tie. And I literally, no, I'm dead serious, bro. And it's, <laughs> and I don't share this with many people. I wish people could see my face. <laughs> oh no, it, that, exactly. Like Kane. I, I bawled crying. I literally fell to my knees and I literally just felt the weight of everything. Just be like, this is why I came here. No matter what happens with the job, like why I left my hometown, why I left my family, why I did everything, why I lost so many friends, why I've been in and out of so many relationships for dance when I've been with amazing people, uh, just so many things that break down in life. That moment was like the click where I was like, wow, James, like you did it, bro. Like you freaking did it. Everybody who told me I was never going to do it. And I don't even do it for those people. I don't pay attention to that stuff. You know, everyone's always trying to prove somebody wrong. I let that go a long time ago because I started learning about what I could do to help other people. But I remember just sitting there and I think it was probably like a, a 45 minute reaction where I just down on my floor and I just let it breathe. And I just took the moment in and I was like, you did it, bro. Now you gotta, now you gotta go to rehearsal and kill it, but you did it. You earned your spots. I've got, I've got, I'm gassed for you for then. Like (laughs) my cheeks are hurting from smiling. Yeah. And that's so like, like for people that like, I don't know Marty super well, but I've been around him or his peeps enough to kind of understand and spoke to him. But that's such a him thing. Like you'd look good in a suit and tie. Like oh, they told uh, you without telling you, you know, it's yeah, like, it was AJ. It was the, it was his assistant. And, and that, that's what I'm saying. It's the subtleness. It's the, and again, you can see it in his dancing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, and, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's the subtleness. And that's what I've learned from him. And it's funny because that's not my original style because I do like, for example, if I just trained under Marty, I would be way better at his style than I am now, but I love dance. So that's why I'm, that's why I've been able to do so many jobs is because I can go in and work with a Marty, but then I can go in and for example, do Camila Cabello with Calvin mm. Hot, who literally dances hundred percent differently. Oh, couldn't be, couldn't be further apart. Exactly. And so, you know what, that's what in my training, I said to myself, what do you want to do? And for me, I, I, that was my thing. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be as good as, for example, Ivan at Marty's style, but I'm going to be able to do it well enough in my own style, but then be able to jump over here and do this guy's style, still in my own style, but I can study his individual choreography and be able to deliver it close enough. And I think that's in my career 
because again, I had that clarity. I knew what I was doing. I knew the purpose. I wasn't just taking class to be like, let's just see who I fit in with. No, mm. it was for a purpose and a reason. And that's why I think I've been able to bounce around to so many different jobs with so many different styles of choreographer. Which is funny because it's very similar to Eddie. You know, yes. like it's the same thing. Like I had him on the podcast and I said, you know, he's one of the only dancers like of who is like classed as a goat. You know what I mean? That has worked in every camp. Like every he's done every camp, every job. Yeah. He doesn't find his click. He does everything. And that's why me and him, like that guy, I I literally owe everything to him, man. Like, uh, it's... I remember when we used to be in the old millennium and I think I, I, I was taking someone's class and I saw you in the corridor and you were sweating like crazy. I was like, bro, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm upstairs training with Eddie. I've got to go. I'm right upstairs. And I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about, but cool. Like, and then I remember hearing his voice and being like, who's that? And then when I saw you after you said who it was and I was like, yo, I could hear his intensity from upstairs. No wonder you were sweating. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, yeah, man. It's, it's funny too because I I sometimes forget all the things that I've done because I'm always worried about the present moment and where I'm going. I appreciate what I'm doing while I do it, but then I don't latch on to it. So I appreciate you bringing on me bringing me on this podcast because delving into this has been something I don't do too often. And um, yeah, I I I'm I'm very very thankful for everything that's kind of accumulated in my story in my journey because man it's a lot yeah it it's a lot and i forget sometimes i do really forget well you i feel like it as humans it's in our nature to be like what's next you know yeah. we don't really look back and it's very not very often that we're even very present you know especially now we're always thinking about the next thing and i know in my career and my journey if you say, what was it like in this particular moment on stage with that artist? I'll be a bit like, because I know for a two hour show, I can probably tell you about 40 seconds of it. Like, really? like, you See, know, cause I'm so like, uh, just doing it as opposed to like taking in. And now as a, as an adult, I'm so trying to take in. Yeah, I get, I understand that. See, this is something, and I don't know where this came from. I think because I studied philosophy as a kid, um, I loved Eastern culture. I loved philosophy. I loved thinking about, and I think that's what helped my discipline is studying, you know, Taoism and Confucianism and all of these different mentalities that were about discipline. I made it a point on every single job that I did, every moment, every place that I traveled, I take it in mm. every, like, I remember what my shows feel like, because even though I was just doing it, I, I took points in the show, whether I be backstage, whether it's right before to completely understand it, to be thankful for the moment, to understand how much work I've put in and to just be like, you know what, I've prepared myself for these moments. I'm going to do the best I can, but at this particular second, Thank you. Like, thank the universe for everything you're giving me. So I take it. I've always been like that. And I, I really love that habit because it translates into everything that I do. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I knew that young, like when I was younger, you know, like when I was really like doing stuff, especially when I was in LA, I, I remember for me, LA was such a difficult period to be away from home, like yeah. financially, like the hustle, like 
I was go-going in the Abbey to survive, you know, like to make my dreams come true. I had to do shit that I really didn't want to do. And I remember being so thinking about, I was so caught up with how I was going to pay the bills to keep me there that I feel like all my, so much of my energy was going into that, that I couldn't put it into the, as the stuff I wanted to do as much. Do you know what I mean? Because being able to stay there was such a difficult thing. Which is a great point, especially to all your listeners that are dancers. Mind you, what have I spoken about before with financial accounting and understanding money? That is a huge issue, right? Because my goal is not to make a lot of money. It is, but that's not the goal. Mm. That's a stepping stone. My goal is to wake up every day and do whatever it is that I want to do because I can. So that way I'm not stressed about what's next. Mm-hmm. What's next for me is insp- is more inspiring than stress related because financial like financial uh, responsibility is huge. And if you're always worrying about making money to survive, you're not in a place where you can really take advantage of the time because you're not calm. Mm. So like I said, the reason I saved all of my money through all of my jobs is so that I could sit down and calmly be in the present moment. So that way I never felt like that. Mm. And so like dance is coming up. It's tough because even during this COVID period, like there's people that are losing their apartments and having to move home and all this. And man, I just sit there and I go, that could have been me. Mm. That could, even after everything that I've done so far, that could have been me. But it's literally remembering I'm not a dancer. I'm a person. And I have to understand business because this is not a job. This is a career. So you have to plan just like anybody else. It doesn't matter what your profession is. Why don't I think the same way as Elon Musk? We're both humans. We're both people. Yes. Can you have a different impact on people and has an engineer mindset? Yeah, of course. But it's about having the responsibility internally to realize I'm a business. I'm not just a human. And, And being able to combine both the human side and the business side only makes you a better person. Mm, for sure and and that's why i'm figuring out like the past like four years of being like when i came back from la i remember being like okay i've got no money i feel shit life is shit like at the time everything was shit you know and it was like (laughs) like and that's how it felt you know i was like how am i gonna uh i guess rebuild me and rebuild a life you know because i felt like i'd put everything into something which I chose, I chose to leave LA. It wasn't forced. I chose because of family. Um, but it was like, how do I do that? And then it was like, okay, I need to, I want to get a house. I want to own a property by the time I'm 30 and I was 25. So I was like, that's the goal. I have five years to come out of debt to be able to own something. So I had to change my life plans and be like, okay, I'm not going to keep doing these jobs for artists because it's not regular and solid enough money, but I'm going to go and do a job which isn't as fulfilling creatively, but I'm still performing and it's going to be solid income. So I can, by the time I'm 30, no matter what, I have something to my name that if my career then ends, I've gained something or I have something to show as opposed to an empty bank account, but memories. Because I needed both. Yes. And this is a very big thing for people to understand, right? Um, We all have 24 hours in a day. Okay. Like we all have that time. And this is where it comes down to you. 
Uh, a lot of people work super hard and they're super talented, but I keep going. The reason your life is not changing is you're still focused on the stuff that's working for you, not just focused on the stuff that you suck at. Mm. So, for example, if you're trying to be a professional dancer and you don't have headshots, what are you doing? Because you don't understand the game. Mm. You can be the dopest dancer and you don't need like the best headshots, but you just need something. So it's learning all the things that will help you do the thing you want to do. And that has to do with sacrifice. Um, a big thing in my company is subconscious trends is we have a symbol for the word passion. Mm -hmm. um, passion something to me is something that's misunderstood. Uh, I think people think of passion as desire and something that you love to do and you like it and you wake up, you're like, ah, I love to dance or I love to. Yeah, cool. That's one component. Um, I think it, it's a duality. And if you look up the Latin root of the word passion, uh, it's, it's the word pati, P-A-T-I. And what that definition of that word means, it means to suffer. It has nothing to do with enjoyment. So when I started learning about this, I said, wait a second, people don't realize I didn't do this dance thing because I like to do it. Yes, that's the byproduct. But the reason I slept on park benches, the reason I wake up at five o'clock in the morning to catch a bus for three hours, the reason I'm eating dollar pizza every day is not because I want to do it for the rest of my life, but I realize the end product with the suffering that I'm going to have to go through for a few years. If I can, you know, essentially eat shit for five years, but I know that six year is going to be the catalyst where everything's now ready to go in motion. Now I'm not going to go backwards because now I've set my plan up to be executed in motion versus mm. if you kind of just like flow and you realize, well, you know, I don't feel like stretching today for an hour and I'm going to watch TV or I don't feel like going to take another dance class because, you know, I'm a, I'm a little tired. Well, yeah, you should pay attention to your rest. But if you're not where you want to be at, guess what? People like me, we're going to out chase you. We're going to outperform you just because I want it more than you. Mm. And so that really resonated. And that's why I want to teach people, man, like my, my values that we have, we have passion, Kaizen, which is continuum, continuous improvement and gratitude. I've created this circular motion to have these three ideals. I want them deeply rooted in anybody who comes across it because I really deep down feel that all the things that we're talking about, if someone taught me this when I was 16, I can't even imagine where I would be. Yeah. And it's weird because I, I I look at all the things I want to achieve now. Like, I don't want to be the best dancer in the world anymore. I don't want to try and make dance a new career. Like, I still love it, but I want to give back now. I want to teach. I want to educate. My dreams of being a performer forever, they still have elements there, but not like it was. Because I've experienced a lot of those feelings and those dreams, you know? Like, so... I, all the things I look at, I want to do now, like I would love to do this forever. I would love to talk to people that inspire me every friggin' day. And I started the podcast like two years ago and went by in the place. Like it took up so much of my time, so much of my money. I just couldn't afford to like invest all my energy into a podcast because I was working to try and buy somewhere to have my thing. The, what, the Another goal that I'd set my mind on. And then I was like, Yo, the idea I had was so friggin' good. Like, I've got all these connections. I love talking to people. I know I'm semi-okay at it, but the potential to be really good at it, like, because I know that I love it. You know, it wasn't talented at it. I just knew I love it. And I was like, what's holding me back? And I sat there and I was like, yo, when I wanted to be a dancer and when I wanted to move to LA, I tunnel-visioned that goal. 
like nothing has ever been tunnel vision tunnel visioned in my life. And I was like, I have to do that with this. So like even before this, then I was just in bed speaking to my fiance and I was like, I'm tired as hell. And she was like, well, just reschedule. I was like, that's not how we get great. Like I'm getting the fuck up and I'm going and speaking to my homie because I haven't spoke to him in ages, which is a win. But like, you know, it's that same, I have to carry across those skills which worked for me in one area of my life into another area of my life. And I'm also putting that area into teaching, you know, like those exactly. things carry over. Oh, people. And that's why that's why this mentality to me and my company is so important in this new growth, because you're literally describing what people don't click with. Right. They don't understand it till it's too late. And it's the fact that it doesn't matter what you do. Right. Dancer podcast. Like I said, um, you want to be a banker. You want to make candles. It doesn't matter. It does I love not that matter. reference. Candles. Yeah. Where did that come from? Did you just look at a candle? Yeah, yeah, sick, yeah. sick. I was like, there's yeah. no way that was the first choice. No, but it's no, exactly. It's just like when you look around, right? You never know. There's 8 billion people on the planet. People like different things. And that's what makes the planet beautiful is mm. the fact that everybody likes different things. And, and when you look around and you see the importance in it, right? Sometimes people take food for granted, but farming, how important is that, right? You have to have passion for something like that because it's so vital to life. So it's not about the topic. It's about the mindset wrapped around whatever you enjoy doing. And the biggest thing with that is enough to go further with a tunnel vision. You could have tunnel vision, but be sitting in your bed all day. You could think about it 24 seven, right? There are so many people who have brilliant ideas. Here's the final kicker. It doesn't matter how good your idea is. You could have a bad idea. But if you do it every day, it can turn into a good idea really fast because all people really care about is the fact that you show up and you do it. Doesn't matter how good, how bad. Yes, that's like preference, right? Some people want really talented people. Other people just want hardworking people. But if you have talented and hardworking people, that's a win-win every time. So that's why my thing is just, just do what you said you were going to do. Mm. And, and, and that, that goes even deeper now because then we can talk about self-love and respect, right? Mm-hmm. When you respect yourself, you get up and do it. There's not – like for me, right? I've been working on my hip injury now for over a year. But consistently since March, I put in three, minimum three hours a day on my rehab. Minimum. Jeez. I have put in – yes, I have put in over 750 clocked hours on my hip. And now – I don't imagine my life any other way. I will literally skip anything that doesn't have to directly. I will not waste any time because I enjoy the benefits that I get from this rehab because I know, again, the reason for it, because I want to be the best dancer I can be. But if you don't sacrifice that, if you don't actually stretch, if you don't actually do it, you can tell, you know, when someone's flexible, you know, when someone's strong, you lifted weights like crazy. Mm. If you go to the gym came, guess what? You don't have a, 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 you don't have the strength. You don't have the physical presence of having an aesthetic body. Mm. You could be like, Hey, I, I really want to go to the gym today and go there for 10 minutes and do two bicep curls. Guess what? You're not going to look like what you want. Mm. It's the same thing with everybody. And so that's why when I get around people, especially my students, I literally look for that quality. I look for, do you show up and do you put effort in? Cause the rest we can, we can mold. Yeah, bro. 
I'm glad I got out of bed for this because this has inspired the hell out of me, let alone all the listeners. And if it hasn't inspired them, I don't care because it's inspired me. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm, I feel I, like just speaking to you and having this conversation, I think that's another thing I've learned too is I'm very to myself because of my focus. Mm-hmm. Ovid has taught me that I need to talk to my friends more often. Yeah. Even for five, 10 minutes, check on people, man. Like it's really important. You don't have to do, you don't have to bend over backwards for people, but just every now and then just connect with somebody, have this conversation because I'm realizing that's where inspiration comes from a lot. Bro, honestly, like this podcast is probably one of the best things I've ever done. And I've spoke to people and they've said they've benefited and they've, they seek or they experience and they get inspired by it and they learn from it and they get motivated by it. But for me, it's like, I get it and I get to have this conversation. And what's even better is that if maybe I didn't have this, these wouldn't happen for me in my life. I wouldn't sit there and talk to you about this. When I see you, we'd go and watch football games. Like, you know, like I wouldn't speak to Marty when I see him about being inspired stuff. It would just be a, how are you? Whereas this gives us a purpose to talk about stuff. It's a real conversation. It's, Mm. it's like really nailing down the idea that like, if you have 10, I think about like this, if you have 10 minutes with somebody that you care about or that you think is inspirational, what do you spend that 10 minutes talking about? Right. Because that's the value of our life. It's the collection of the information we get of the experience that we create. So if you personally don't know how to read energy, if you don't know how to speak to someone, that's something I had to get over. Right. I was very shy. Mm. Like I said, monsters, I would sleep on the park bench. But now I realize, James, a skill you need to have is to be able to talk to people. The more people you can just freely talk to, you don't know what opportunities are going to come. And now even my girlfriend says to me now, she goes, you can literally just go to the park and you'll strike up a conversation with anybody and talk to them for 30 minutes. And I go, yeah. And I love that because I never used to be able to do that. And I have learned so much from random strangers having a 15 minute, a 20 minute conversation on a train where before I was so in my own world, listening to music in my headphones, like leave me alone. I'm, I'm studying. I'm too good for you. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And then when I really stopped and I said, I can balance this, I can listen to music at home for three hours and study enough. And then I can just, Hey, I like your, what's the book that you're reading? Boom. You never know what that's going to do for your future. I've learned some of the most valuable lessons from people that I don't even know. Yeah. So like even this morning, right? Like you were like, Hey, are you good for one thirty? And you're like, hey, maybe reschedule. And I was like, no, we I, I was, I, I was like, is he going to reschedule? I was like, I'm not mad because I can then go to bed, but yeah. secretly I don't want him to, cause I have to do this. You know, you're and like, and I think another thing is holding everybody accountable. If you say you're going to do something, of course stuff pops up, but that's also a character flaw. If things are always popping up, that means you're not making decisions for you, Mm. right? That means you're always making decisions for other people because if you're a man of your word, if you're a a woman of your word, you're going to do what you said you were going to do. And if you're always rescheduling, that means you don't have yourself together because you're saying yes too much. That's, yeah, that's that's beyond true. Yeah. Learning, Learning to say no is a skill, bro. 
It is. And it takes time. Like, because some, like, for example, I also think that there are phases in life. When I first moved to New York, bro, everything was a yes. It didn't matter what it was. Everything was a yes. So I think there's layers of where people are at in their journey. Mm. You have to build to get to the level where you can say no, but you also have to understand when that is. And that takes trial and error. Nobody knows like for, you know, for example, next year, I might get in a different mindset and I'll be like, you know what? This is a year where I'm going to say yes to more than I would last year. But it's because I have the clarity to know why I'm doing that. Yeah. No, for sure, man. This has been super inspiring. Um, I ask this to everyone, but I feel like I know the answer to yours, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. If aliens come down with like some little frigging gun and we're like, I'm going to alien 21 you all. And like blast you all the way, get rid of COVID-19, but you're all going to go with it unless you give me a representation to take back. And it has to be a human form of dance. Who would you give them? You can one person. One person, bro. And that is dance. That is, that is dance. Oh my dude, this is an impossible question. I know, but you've got to give one because imagine it happened. Like, wait, so hold on. If I give one, we we live, we survive. Only if they're dope. Oh, of course. Well, then obviously well, I, my my first answer is like you know it's gonna be Eddie Morales. Well, that's why I said I felt like I already yeah. knew the answer, but I felt like I needed to ask you. You know what though? There. So yes, but you know what's so funny is again in my my lane of like understanding work ethic and talent and all this. Like Eddie was inspirational to my life, but I have another friend who dance wise is somebody who is just jaw dropping to me. Um, his name is Dewan DJ Smart. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a technical ballet dancer, but literally does everything. And we get along so well because our discipline and our understanding and our appreciation for the art form and how serious we take it, but also realizing that sometimes it is just dance. Um, that's another person that has also inspired my life that I would also give that I feel like uh, embodies dance in a different style that I feel like is equally as important. Mm-hmm. And um, just because it's not my style or my lane, I'm still heavily inspired by it. Yeah, that's a dope answer. That- don't know him i would look up dj smart because i'm going to right away phenomenal phenomenal person dancer everything so and it and just this is crazy because i'm just thinking about how many people i'm inspired by which is literally everybody yeah because I, that's why it's such a good question yeah like literally everybody because i'm like wow you know from rich and tone i learned footwork and then from anthony thomas i learned my locking no. and from you know, my B-Boys, B-Boy Tiger, Pop-Tart back in, you know, uh, in Connecticut, I learned breaking from them. My brother who, you know, doesn't get to dance as much now, he was the one that really inspired me to dance when I saw him dancing in front of my, this office window we used to have, we would click the light on so we could see our reflection. Like all of those people mattered to me. So it's so hard to pick one. Yeah. I, mine was Misha because he, ha- for me, he was my biggest inspiration. I remember watching him do This Is It and being like, yo, he's dope. And then watching him do a uh, string quartet on um, Dancing With The Stars, doing oh, the absolutely. technical stuff. And I was like, that's the same guy. Like, yes. And then watching, and I, I spoke to Marty in the summer because I was trying to find the video and it was of Misha doing Marty's um, 
Prince, you got the look. And like just bodying it like nothing's ever been bodied before. And always just being like, yo. And then being in a studio with him and being like, he's actually human. Like, yeah. you know, like, how is this? How is this guy a person? And then when he dances, that happens, you know, like. Yeah. So he was mine. And I feel like a bit weird fanboying because he's like a homie, but. <laughs> but it's it's important, right? The important, and that's even says something about you. The fact that you can say I was a fanboy, but now it's my homie. That was the same thing for me and Eddie. Mm. You know, when that happens, you realize, wow, that's going to be me one day with another group of kids that are looking up to me. So their responsibility, not responsibility, their influence on me was so important. So I got to take my stuff serious because some kid that's looking up after me might feel like that towards me. And it's not about me. It's about them. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it, what I'm learning, especially now is trying to go into a, someone who's an educator and a, an inspirer and a motivator and not in like a Tony Robbins kind of way, but like in a, in a way of like, like these conversations, you know, um, it's about the impression that I'm going to leave with people. And I keep thinking to myself, what do I want people to think of me when I'm no longer the guy that can bust out a combo? I'm yeah. no longer the guy that can throw down a freestyle. Like I'm no longer no, the, the person that can do that. Because, have yeah. Cause that's coming. Like whether we like it or not, that time is coming. Like, what do I want people to know me as? I don't want to be the guy who used to be a dope dancer. Like, do you know what I mean? I want to be the guy which helped people. I want to be the guy which inspired people and left a, an imprint on people. And I have, I don't know if you know John Graham. Like, I, John Graham was amazing. Yes, I found out about him through a couple of my homies in London. Probably you too. I've seen him around. Yeah, I've watched his stuff and I'm like, I want to dance with this guy. Like for me, like he's like the big brother. You know, like, and he's probably one, he's one of my best friends and he'll listen to this and he'll probably cringe. But I always say he's the GOAT because he's not out in the public eye. Like he just teaches class. He's not a big social media kind of guy. Keeps yeah. himself to himself and he's the frigging best at what he does. But I always think if people will speak, if someone, not even people, if someone will talk about me when I'm not there, how I speak about him when he's not there, then my, my job is done. Yes. You know, if someone has that uh, respect and that appreci appreciation and admiration, you know, like all these things, then actually owes you. Yes. Then my job is done. Yes. And that gets tricky sometimes. That's a, that's a great thing, too, because ah, that's so interesting, too. And this is why I say that not everyone is going to speak about you like that, even though you're worth it, because a lot of times people are very concerned about themselves and it's funny because all you can do is put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. However people choose to react to it, as long as your intention is, I mean, think about this. Celebrities go through this all the time. You know, our politicians go through it all the time. Anybody who's in the public eye, the public thinks they know everything about these people when really they know nothing at all. And that's an interesting place to be. And so that's where I kind of understand that. But I've been taking a different approach where I go, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to show it as much as I can, but I'm also going to make my decisions. And sometimes when you say no, guess what? You're an asshole now. Yeah. Oh, but the thing is, when I was saying no, it was actually for a good cause for other people. It just didn't benefit you. So that's where that gets tricky. But I understand what you're saying. You know, but even, even if I'm, I don't need everyone to. 
you know, like I know it's a life of, it's a world of opinions. I'm sure people look at my idols and be like, they're whack, you know, like, or it's yeah. just the way the world is. But I think if you have that impact on someone that that person's had on me, then it's like an, an achievement because it's such a huge impact on one life. Absolutely. Bro, this has been like dope. This is a long one, an hour 45. Normally we reach around like an hour 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've had a few this long, but I'm not moaning. This has been a blessing. Yeah. And it's dope to catch up with you. What's, yeah, what's your plans for your future? Like, what do you want next? Yeah. So, after dance. Ooh, after dance. So, yeah, yeah, not now, because I know it's like, it's more dance related stuff. Like, but what's what's for James in the future? My, My focus on, I'm trying to master who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to just be who I am. I think I'm trying to master it. And that comes with mastering my mind, body, and my soul. So the future for me is wherever that leads. I have a big mission with my company, again, based on the mindset. And I hope that it gets bigger than just in the dance world. I think it will have a huge impact on artists. Mm-hmm. But because it's a mindset-based thought process, it can, like we spoke about, it doesn't matter what the topic is. I want to inspire the, inspire the world to figure out what they're passionate about, work harder than every day, and be thankful for it. And if I can do that in any capacity, whether it's through school systems, whether it's through personal things that I do, whether I travel the world and hold workshops and medi- you know um, retreats, whatever it is, that's my goal, is just to make the people around me better in any capacity. And I'm going to develop that and I'm excited for the future. I don't exactly know what it looks like, but I know what I'm going to do. Dope, man. And, and you know what? I believe that you'll do it. <laughs> you've done everything else you've set your mind to. Exactly. It's just a right. process showing up every day. And I got I'll get, I got to get a hoodie on you now. Yeah, so bro. Now- I'd love that for sure. Yeah. And I'll got- put all the information for your um, business in the bio for this and all that jazz so if people just go to the, however they okay. listen on itunes or spotify you'll get all james's socials all his links everything in the the information bro appreciate that a lot man of course bro i appreciate you a lot as a human and as a talent absolutely thanks a for having respect me. for you um hopefully one day we get to catch up again and go and watch a game of soccer <laughs> not soccer bro, <laughs> I was, well you know a lot of time i come to england a lot but I know, like, I I'm just a- always miss you. You're here I, for like three minutes. I know, and I'm always in Liverpool. So that's the, that's the thing. That's yeah. why. Yeah, well, we'll make it happen next time for sure. We'll figure it out for sure. For sure. Bro, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and have a wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Absolutely. You have a, it's Tuesday night there, right? Yeah, I'm going to bed, bro. <laughs> <laughs> have a great night and keep in touch. Yeah, man. Much love. Thank you so much. Of course, thank you. So before we go, just you need to know you look like Wolverine today. Bro, I get well, I actually don't mind that. I like that. <laughs> get With the, the clap too. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, you fully look like I'm hoping oh, you've got blue jeans. Oh, on. Thing is, I'm about to go do my bar. I do calisthenics now, so I'm about to get my muscle ups in. So oh, me too, bro. I do rings now. I love that's the yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to get the ring muscle ups, which are insane. Oh, nah, they're easier, bro. Are they? Yeah, so look, you false grip. Everyone's like, I can't see anything. You false grip. Think of pulling to the top of your chest, yeah? And then what you want to do is rotate the rings under your pecs so they come here. But to do that, you want to lean back here 
yeah and then you want to punch your head through oh. and then you're in the bottom of a dip what everyone does is they try to do this but you, you can the there's not a bar you can't go around anything so you've got to bring your body between the rings but you've got to get under it so as soon as you get to this a high pull up with the close in punch your head through i think of like your header in a football yeah and that'll give you the right positioning and then the stronger you get at it like i don't need a punch now i just go Bloop. Wow. See, look at this, right? Like if we didn't have this conversation, I wouldn't have this information. I guarantee you you'll muscle up by the end of the week. I'm definitely going to try it literally in like 30 minutes. Yeah. Just punch your head through as soon as you get, you've got to bring it tight. You've got to follow your pack line. Bro, I appreciate that a lot. I'm literally going to go apply that right now. Bro, have a wonderful day. Later, bro. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends and family. One love. Peace. The Ins and Outs podcast with your host.